Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, we're going to look at verses 1 through 22. Matthew 8, 1 through 22. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I say to you, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you. Many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, He saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now, When Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your word this morning. We thank you for the ministry of Jesus. And we ask that you would use your word now And apply it to our hearts and lives this morning. Would you open our ears? Would you open our eyes to see marvelous things in your word? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
does Jesus only heal those who have faith in him? If I am not healed, does that reveal that I didn't have enough faith? Does following Jesus mean my life should be filled with comfort and ease? As we continue in Matthew's gospel account and come to a passage that explains the healing ministry of Jesus, we certainly have these kinds of questions in our minds. And oftentimes, people turn to the healings of Jesus without understanding the broader context of the gospel, of what the gospel writer is trying to communicate. So, what I want us to answer this morning is this. What is Matthew communicating to us about Jesus in this section? That's what I want to answer this morning. And my short answer is this. Jesus is displaying his compassionate authority. He is displaying his compassionate authority by cleansing a social outcast, an ethnic outcast, and a cultural outcast. The people in the text this morning, in this text, are outsiders. Let's not miss that. They are outsiders. And Jesus' display of compassionate authority over diseases and illnesses should be a reminder to us that he must have authority over all areas of our lives as well. His authority demands our ultimate allegiance. Following him comes with a cost. So consider with me the compassionate authority of our Lord Jesus in this section. First, Jesus displays his his authority by cleansing a social outcast. Cleanses a leper. We see this in verses 1 through 4. Just prior to this section, Jesus has preached the Sermon on the Mount. And Matthew says that the crowds were astonished at the preaching of Jesus. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And now, so not only have we seen Jesus' authority in his words, but now what we do is we see Jesus' authority displayed in his actions. Look with me at verse 1, verses 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will... You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So Jesus has come down from the mountain, and the crowds followed him. A leper comes to Jesus and kneels before him. 
Now, leprosy in that day was considered one of the most serious illnesses. It referred to any number of skin diseases that oftentimes went farther than skin deep. As a result of the disease, the nervous system would break down and the leper would lose the ability to feel and to touch. I imagine this with my kids. I tell this to my kids. Imagine if you had leprosy, you, you see a hot stove and you touch the stove. If I have leprosy and I touch the stove, I'm not even going to feel it. What's going to happen? My fingers, over time, will eventually fall off. Their toes, they would lose their toes over the rubbing that they couldn't feel. This This is what's going on. A person with leprosy was unclean. He's considered unclean and forced to leave the community. They had to live in isolation from others so that they would not come in contact with other people. It was contagious. And whatever they touched became ceremonially unclean. When you read about leprosy in Leviticus 13 and 14, you recognize that the emphasis is placed upon the leper being considered unclean. Unclean. They are outcasts. From the society. Listen to this statement from Leviticus 13, 45, and 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And here in our passage, this leper approaches Jesus. And he kneels before Jesus and says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This leper, this outcast, has confidence that the Lord is able to heal him. And his hope, his hope is that the Lord will choose to do so. Jesus is able to heal him. He has the authority and power to heal However, we must recognize the distinction between Jesus' authority or his power to heal and his willingness to do so. So often, people have a tendency to equate Jesus' power or his authority with his will. They put them together. If he doesn't hear me, heal me. This is what we hear. If he doesn't heal me, then he must not be all powerful. Or, since Jesus has the power to heal, I should therefore be healed. I just need to have faith. I need to have faith like the leper. 
This is, this is what we hear. This is the logic of some. But consider for a moment 2 Corinthians chapter 12, which we studied last week in Sunday school. Consider 2 Corinthians 12. Jesus doesn't choose to heal Paul's thorn in the flesh. Even though Paul, a man of faith, pleaded for it three times to be removed. But rather, it remained. Why? It remained so that Christ's power would be demonstrated through weakness. So just because Jesus has the power to heal us from our illnesses and diseases, he might not choose to do so in this life. Our hope is in the future. Our hope is in the day that is coming when there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering. That is our hope. What we observe when we read the larger context of the Bible and Paul's situation here is that healing is not dependent upon our faith. And we'll see this in the next two miracles. There's no mention of the servant in the next miracle. There's no mention of the servant's faith. There's no mention of the faith of Peter's mother-in-law. So, how do we apply this to our lives? When we pray... When we pray, let's plead with the Lord like the leper. Lord, if you will, if you would do so, if you desire, you can make me clean. You can heal me. If it would be your will, heal me. Yet not my will be done, but your will be done. I know you can heal me. And in this instance, with the leper, with this outcast, what does Jesus do? He stretched out his hand. And we're all saying, Stop! Don't do it, Jesus! Don't do it! You will become unclean if you touch him. Don't do it, Jesus. You will become unclean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. And he said, I will be clean. And immediately, the leprosy was cleansed. You see what's being pictured for us here? Jesus takes the reproach of the outcast upon himself. Jesus identifies himself with this leper, with this outcast, and his uncleanness in order to make him clean. And this is a picture of what Jesus will do and has done already on the cross. He bears our reproach 
and takes our spiritual uncleanness upon himself. And he became unclean for us. So that by faith in him, we will be cleansed from every stain of sin. Let us then go to him and bear the reproach outside the camp. Let us go to him who makes us clean. And Jesus has the authority and power to cleanse us from sin. And in his compassion, in this instance, he chooses to do so. Jesus has the authority and power to cleanse us from sin. And he chooses to do so when we come to him. And when we come to him and are cleansed by Christ, like the leper, we are restored. No longer considered an outcast by him. Second, second. Jesus displays his authority by healing an ethnic outcast. He heals a Gentile. We see this in verses 5 through 13. In this second episode of the healing ministry of Jesus, we are introduced to a centurion who has a servant who is paralyzed at home. And the centurion pleads with Jesus to heal his servant. Now, as you know, a centurion was an officer of the Roman army. He was a commander of about 100 soldiers. But what is unique about this story and this miracle is that the centurion is a Gentile. He's a Gentile. That's what Matthew is wanting to draw our attention to. He is a Gentile. Gentiles were excluded from the people of God, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. They too are considered outcasts. And here is this centurion, this Gentile, pleading with Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus says to him in verse 7, I will come and heal him. What is fascinating by this statement is that Jesus was willing to enter a Gentile's home. In that day, the Jews would not, could not go into a Gentile home without becoming un, un, ceremonially unclean. They become unclean if they go into the Gentile's home that had a roof on it. And here's Jesus willing to enter this man's house. But the centurion recognizes Jesus' authority, and he says that he is not worthy to have Jesus come to his house. He recognizes that all Jesus has to do is say the word, and his servant will be healed. Look at verses 8 and 9. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to the one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus marvels at his word and says to those around him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith 
Verse 11, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The faith of this centurion man, this Gentile, is greater than that of an Israelite. What kind of faith does this Gentile display? He displays a humble acknowledgement of who he is in relation to Jesus. I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. And he expresses a humble confidence in who Jesus is. He recognizes that Jesus can speak with authority. That Jesus speaks with authority and that his servant can be healed just by Jesus simply speaking the word. And Jesus recognizes his great faith, and it leads him to say, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Those from the east, those from the west, those who are far off will be brought near and participate in the banquet of the saints of old. This is significant. With the comment concerning the faith of this Gentile, we are given a foretaste of what will come as a result of Christ's death. Gentiles will be included. Matthew has been showing this all along in his gospel, hasn't he? Matthew 1 Gentiles were included in the genealogical line of Jesus. Matthew 2, wise men from the east came to worship Jesus as a small child. Matthew 3, Jesus, John the Baptist, rebuked the Pharisees that came to his baptism. So now the Gentiles display a greater faith than those in Israel. And it leads Jesus to say that those who are of faith feast in the kingdom of heaven. However, the sons of the kingdom, the unbelieving Jews, will be thrown into outer darkness. They will be thrown into hell. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For those who do not place their faith in Jesus Christ, this is their end, this is their doom and destruction. Eternal punishment. Separated from God for all eternity. Entrance into the kingdom of God is not based on ethnicity. The Jew cannot claim to be a part of the kingdom Because they have Abraham as their father. Rather, entrance into the kingdom of God is based on faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this is what we rejoice in this morning. That we, as Gentiles by birth, I don't think there's any Jews here by birth, we as Gentiles by birth, as ethnic outcasts, as those who were excluded from the promises have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Entrance into God's kingdom is by faith in Christ alone. 
the centurion, this Gentile, had the kind of faith, had this kind of faith in Christ. And Jesus healed his servant not on the basis of his faith, not because of his faith, but as this man believed it would happen through a spoken word from a distance. Third, third, Jesus displayed his authority by healing a cultural outcast. Look with me at verses 14 through 17. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. In this episode, we see Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law. He heals a woman who is lying sick with a fever. And that day, as you know, women were marginalized in the society. And they too were considered outcasts. And they were not treated with the dignity and respect that they deserve. But here's Jesus, not conforming to the culture of his day. He enters Peter's house and sees Peter's mother-in-law sick with a fever. And without any mention of anyone's faith, Jesus has compassion on her. He touches her hand and heals her. And then she rose and began to serve him. The result of Christ's healing is that she served him. As Jesus shows compassion for outcasts, he demonstrates his authority over all kinds of illnesses and diseases so that many were brought to him and he healed them. And in doing so, he fulfilled the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 53, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. You're familiar with this passage in Isaiah 53. This is is the passage concerning the suffering servant who would come to die in the place of sinners. And what we see here is that the one who is bringing physical healing to outcasts is the one who is the suffering servant. Jesus' healing ministry foreshadows the greater healing that we need spiritually. Illnesses and diseases exist because we live in a sinful and fallen world. That's why they exist. And Jesus is reversing the effects of the fall that came as a result of Adam's sin. The disciples and those in the crowd who are to recognize that the, they are to recognize that the one who is performing these physical miracles is the one who will suffer for sinners to bring spiritual healing. This is what they're to recognize. Who they are called to follow is not merely a miracle worker who can rescue them physically. 
but a Savior who will rescue them spiritually. And this truth leads us to my final point. And fourth and finally, Jesus' authority demands our ultimate allegiance. In verses 18 through 22, we are introduced to two potential disciples. Now, certainly the healing ministry of Jesus has brought a great crowd to see him and follow him. And as a result of his miracles, his fame is spreading throughout the area. And so, two potential disciples come to Jesus. The first is a scribe, a teacher of the law. And he says to Jesus, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Certainly, he has seen and been amazed at what Jesus can do. He wants to follow him. He's overzealous. I'll follow you wherever you go. Wherever you go, I will follow. To which Jesus replies, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The Son of Man. This phrase, the Son of Man. Matthew is picking up on Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel 7, the Son of Man is the one who would come to the Ancient of Days and be given dominion and authority and a kingdom that shall not be destroyed. And this Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The one who will be given authority over all things has no place to lay his head. Following Jesus does not mean that your life will be filled with comfort and ease. Following Jesus is not a casual thing that we do. It will involve sacrifice on our part. It will mean that we must be willing to give up the comforts and securities of this life for a humble life of service to Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And we see the cost of following Jesus in the second potential disciple that would come to him. Look with me at verses 21 and 22. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now in this instance, we're not certain if the person's father has died. We're not sure. If he has, this man would be busy for at least a week of funeral rituals. I tend to think that, this, that his father has not died. I tend to lean in the direction that his father has not died because he wouldn't be asking Jesus about discipleship. He would be caught up in the funeral arrangements and the mourning customs that would have taken place in that day. So I take it that he is saying, let me wait until my father has died. Then I will follow you which may have been one, two, three more years before, before that would happen. However we take it, 
This is the point. Let me first take care of some things, and then I'll follow you. He delays in following Jesus. Other things in his life have become a higher priority. To which Jesus replies, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. In other words, following Jesus demands our ultimate allegiance. He must be given the highest priority in our lives and in the lives of those who would be disciples. We must not delay in following Jesus. That's the point. Perhaps you're here this morning and you have not given Jesus authority over your life. Perhaps you're here this morning and you have not had Jesus, you have not placed Jesus as Lord of your life. Perhaps you're thinking, someday, someday, I will follow Jesus. When I get my life straightened out, then I'll follow Jesus. After I experiment with the things of this world, then I'll follow Jesus. After I get married and have a child, then I'll follow Jesus. After I get a different job and my life settles down, then I will follow Jesus. After planting season is over, then I'll follow Jesus. After I get cured of this illness, then I'll follow Jesus. Friends, I plead with you. I plead with you this morning. Today. Today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today. Do not delay. Come to him in faith. Because that day might not ever come. That future day and I've done the things of this world, and then I'll follow Jesus, that day will never come. So may we learn from the examples of those whom Jesus physically healed. May we come to Jesus. May we place our faith in Jesus. And may it lead us to serve Jesus. May we set aside our comforts and securities and anything that we place as a higher priority than Jesus. And may we completely surrender our lives to him so that we will not be casual observers who are only amazed at Jesus' healing power. But may we be committed followers of Christ who live humble lives of service to him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, our heart's desire is to follow Jesus. We are not sure where it will take us, 
or the road it will lead us upon. But you know it. Would you cause us to commit completely to Christ, commit completely to Jesus, and live in such a way that brings him honor and glory so that we do not give mere lip service to following Jesus or just be amazed at his power, but that we would come to him, believe in him, and serve him all of our days. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and join together in our closing hymn. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals he's waiting and watching, watching for you and 